0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of the NBL One East, well a unofficial podcast of the NBL One East, probably getting a bit too ahead of myself there. It's another episode of East Got Game with me Jacinta Govind from the Central Coast Crusaders and as always my lovely co-host Lockie France from the Sutherland Sharks. How are you going?
1: I'm great, Squin. Very, very happy with my uh, COE championship picks at the moment with both teams flying high undefeated.
0: Yeah, you've definitely picked well there. Uh, We did see a clash of our predicted uh, NBL1 East champions in the men's division this round, the COE and Illawarra Hawks, which we'll chop up a little bit later. Um, But what about the rest of the results? Just having a quick browse of the results over the weekend, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, interesting round Uh, yeah uh, Canberra's slide uh, continues Um, Manly getting over Central Coast uh, sorry to mention but it happened uh, which was an interesting one and uh, Inner West getting over Sutherland came into the Shark Tank and got the win so a few boil overs, maybe not boil overs but certainly interesting results nonetheless all around the place
0: Yes, and we'll get stuck into that uh Bulls Shark Bull Sharks or Sharks and Bulls game as well a little bit later. Um, but as we mentioned in some of our previous episodes, thank you to those who have already started listening. We're hoping to keep bringing you some preview match previews and match reviews of the NBL1 East for 2023 season. And we have also mentioned in the past some interviews and now we are aware That's So far, we haven't given you any said interviews, but the wait is finally over. We'll be having our first guest interview on today's episode, and we're very, very excited to have this person as our first guest, but um, nonetheless, we'll get to it eventually. I'm not too sure. Should we say now, Lockie, or should we leave it as a surprise who the guest is?
1: Uh, I think you can spoil it.
0: We can spoil it. Our very, uh, very special first ever guest for East Scott game is Nicole Munger from the Newcastle Falcons and also, as many of you would know, from the UC Caps. So we're very much looking forward to having Nicole as a guest Mm. in just not too far away. But, hey, Lockie, let's get stuck into round three of NBL 1 East 2023. Can't believe it's round three already. This is around round where um, we also saw a couple of teams play their first double headers for uh, the season as well. Uh, my beloved Central Coast Crusaders playing the Saturday away game and then a Sunday home game. And we also saw the likes of the Canberra teams playing a double away with Newcastle and the Central Coast. So, It was a pretty interesting round so far. You've already hinted about some of the results that caught your eye. So take me through the Sutherland Sharks and Inner West Bulls
1: men's game to kick us off. Uh, Do you want to go through all the results first or should we go straight into the games?
0: Oh, good idea. Let's go through all the results first. Let's do it from the top.
1: Okay. So early tip on Saturday afternoon, we had Illawarra heading up to Bankstown and grabbing an 86-67 victory. Centre of Excellence did not play friendly as host to Penrith, racking up a 110-37 win. Manly knocked off Central Coast 82-73. Aubrey Wodonga hosted Hills and got an 80-70 win. Inner West came into the Shark Tank and beat the Sutherland Sharks 92-85. Those teams cannot have a blowout. Every game is close when they play. Newcastle took on Canberra and got the win 81-72 up there in the Hunter. Comets defeated Hornsby in the game of the week, 88-56. Central Coast rebounded from their loss to Manly with a 102-88 win over Canberra, who went 0-2 for the weekend. Centre of Excellence racked up a ton for the second consecutive game of the week with a 104-80 win over Illawarra. And finally... Maitland hosted Norse and it was the Bears picking up a 93-79 win on the road on Sunday afternoon, which leaves us with just three undefeated teams, Centre of Excellence 5-0 and and then Comets and Norse both 3-0, and but a bunch of teams just behind them with one loss.
0: Who are rounding off, if that's the top three of the men's league after round three, who's rounding up the top
1: five? So, well, it's Illawarra in fourth at three and one, and then Albury, Wodonga, Newcastle, Sutherland, and Inner West all sitting at two and one in oh. what is equal fifth.
0: Interesting. So, so it sounds like uh, who's, who's got the next spot, sorry, based on for and against points?
1: Uh, so it's currently sitting at Albury in fifth. So, Aubrey. in the order I read.
0: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Is there any uh, particular ladder positions from the men's league that you are surprised by, Lockie?
1: Well, I think we're all a bit surprised at Canberra being one and three at this stage. They played some tough teams, uh, but I think they, you know, the defending champions. Uh, it might might have been looking to be uh, a bit higher up the table. Maitland also one and three, so both of last season's grand finalists are. Uh, in a tough spot, but uh Maitland have played, I think, Canberra, Illawarra, North and COE at this stage. So they've had a buzz sort of run through to start the season.
0: Yeah, talking about having a tough start, but uh Maitland, you know, still doing relatively well considering they did get um over the top of the Gunners last round, which was that grand final rematch. We've spoken a bit about how the Canberra Gunners have gone through a lot of roster changes this season. And as have a lot of other teams and new teams included. But hopefully next, for next week's episode, we'll be able to have a guest from uh, the Canberra camp to maybe give us a little bit more insight and help us deep dive into what is happening with the Canberra Gunners.
1: Hopefully, because it'd be great to get uh, a little bit of insight from someone who knows their way around Gunners basketball.
0: Yes, yeah, so, but anyway, nonetheless, before we dwell on uh, what is the one and three for the Gunners, now I'll prompt you to say, hey, take me through this Sharks and Inner West Bulls game.
1: Sharks and Inner West, well, these teams, almost inseparable when they're on court, and it came to pass again as a fairly back-and-forth game. Uh, you know, Sharks got ahead. Inner West, Inner West had big ends to both halves. Second quarter, won at 34-21 to take... A lead and then won the fourth quarter 22-16, which I uh, saw them get the win. But what I really noticed about uh inner west, uh they've got some really high-energy players. We saw we know Christopher Bryan and Alex Higgins Titcher, they are, they can jump out of the stadium, those guys. Uh but what I noticed was uh Blake Morrow and Tony Tollivay um, didn't kind of Rise to not the bait Sutherland were, you know, dishing out, but Sutherland were really trying to get it really energized and, you know, guys like Hutchison and Cabrera, they really liked, you know, be hype. And Morrow and Tolleve were just, we're going to play at our own pace. We're going to calm it down. If it takes me seven seconds to walk the ball over half court, we're just going to do things the way we want to do it. And they looked a lot calmer. And I think that's a big part of why they were able to get the win down the stretch. Uh, turnover numbers fairly low, 12 and 15, but silly turnovers. Um, it was very humid in the stadium. I don't know if that had an effect. There was one play where I think it was Jeff Gerlach just dropped the ball cold like it just slipped out of his hands. And I hope the floor wipers got paid well because they were out there a lot. But yeah, just players like we talked about it uh, in the commentary because it was the game I called. And when you got guys like um, Jordan Mitchell um, on the perimeter guarding, you you can't be lazy with those passes across the top of the arc. And just on occasion, just too many times the ball getting tipped away or even deflected. And it just I think both teams could have done a lot better then. But in the end, it was really the you know, the calmness and the composure of especially Morrow and Tolleve who got Inner West the win. I mean, Tolleve shot 81% from two-point range, 9 of 11.
0: Wow, that's outstanding. So it really sounds like the Inner West Bulls came in with a game plan to control the tempo and it sounds like it worked in their favour. I'm guessing that perhaps they wanted to grind The Sutherland Sharks in the half court play the half court game to their advantage, try and make Sutherland Sharks get into foul trouble, get fatigued on the defensive end. And we know the Sharkies really like to run in transition as well. So perhaps that was uh, in the back of their mind too. If we tied them out on defense, maybe they're least likely to run and make transition buckets.
1: Yeah, they certainly did get the uh, Sharks in a bit of foul trouble. Um, Callum Norris and Markel Beasley both finished with four fouls and Jordan Mitchell fouled out. Uh, you know like I said Mitchell love loves getting in there to tip the ball away but it just takes you know just to be a tick off in your timing and suddenly you're chopping someone on the arm and getting called for a foul uh, Beasley he was uh he knew it himself that he committed one one really bad foul that uh, got him in foul trouble but I mean it was the same at both ends uh with um you know Inner West had actually committed 26 fouls in the end uh, so, but they were spread out a lot more. Higgins Titcher, he had a couple of couple of fouls that he won't be happy about uh, or a couple of uh, offensive fouls that are good charges. Lockie Hutchison, he loves taking a charge. And uh, that got him really amped up. And for a little bit, it did look like it was going to get a bit chippy. But uh, everyone kept their cool. Um, the Sharks, though, they just they can't hit a three lately. They're four of 26. Uh, they haven't been good in recent weeks at all, and yeah, four of twenty-six. Uh, Norris one of eight. Angus Lake usually, if you know, Norris is not on song. He's been the one coming in and trying to knock down some shots. He was zero of three in just fourteen minutes on court. Uh, they tried a bit of Josh Sheehy. Uh, he's a he can shoot them. He shoots really well in youth league. He was just on for a couple of minutes trying to give a bit of spark. Uh, but it wasn't all negative for Sutherland. I mean, Hutchison finished with twenty-four, eight, and five. Got to the cup really well. Uh, finished seven of twelve uh, from two-point range. And uh, Jeff Gerlach uh, five of seven from two-point range. Just loves that little uh, that little hook shot hook shot when he gets the ball in a good position. But the Sharks just they need to keep going to what's working. There were a couple of times where things were working and then they decided almost like, oh, maybe they've cottoned on to us. Let's try something different. But you sort of need to wait until the opposition's shown that they've cottoned on before you change it up.
0: Yeah, and do you feel like those um, deviations away from the game plan, was that based on like one or two of the five on the court at the time or was it based on the play in front of them? I think it was
1: more based on, yeah, based on what was in front of them. But yeah, I just think there's just times where like you know someone's been they've been driving to the right, they've been getting through, and suddenly they'll try you know they're going up, and suddenly they'll just try and dish it off somehow, and it's like well, you know maybe not, you no know, maybe just you know you're getting there, you're getting your lane, you're getting through, go go to the go to the cup yourself, um, or if they were struggling to score, it'd be a you know one and done three that just didn't need to happen kind of thing so just a little bit more composure and I think the Sharks will be the Sharks will be all right
0: so interesting when they are they going to match up again uh, throughout the season because we know that this season with the addition of the new teams not everyone's going to play each other twice as we have been used to do you know if the Sharks and the Bulls are going to meet each other again later in the season
1: I'm not entirely sure um I can tell you, it'll be close if they do play again.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably the advantage of uh,
1: yes. They, they do in just a couple of weeks. Uh, April twenty second, round six.
0: Oh, there you go. So they might, so the sharks might be able to get the split on the bulls in the end because we do know in last in the inaugural NBL one E season last year, the sharks and the bulls were very very close to making the top six and it came down to a game between the uh, Inner West Bulls and the Central Coast Crusaders. The Bulls had to win by a particular margin, and anything within that margin meant that the Sutherland Sharks made the top six, and that's exactly how history played out.
1: That's right. But I think I've discussed my team losing for long enough, so we might take a quick peek at the Centre of Excellence and Illawarra, who I got to take a quick peek at with uh Ben Henshaw dropping 35 and 5 as well as four steals to be the uh main man for the COE.
0: So sorry when you say 35 and 5 you mean 30 points, points. and 5 rebounds.
1: And five rebounds and five assists. And five
0: assists and,
1: and five, four steals.
0: and four steals. And four steals and I and uh did he have how many blocks did he have? He did,
1: didn't get a block. Didn't that get was, a block. Was Rocco Zakarski getting the blocks as you'd expect.
0: Mate, that guy doesn't even need to jump.
1: <laughs> That's exactly the point I'm getting to. No. Uh, is that, I mean, COE to start with, you've got a Gonzaga commit in Alex Tui on court and he's not even the best player on court every night. But Rocco zakarski uh, yeah, three blocks in the space of 15 minutes and eight points, but he can't be a rim protector when he's sitting on the bench. But by the same token... You probably don't want to put 30 minutes a night into a seven foot two kid. And he is still a kid, developmentally, and I'm not sure of his exact age, but probably legally as well. Yeah. You don't I, want to, you don't want to,
0: Paper is still only 17, isn't exactly. it? Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to, you know, th- thrash him because, you know, he's, yeah, so young and with his height. Um, But the thing is with COE, uh, how do you compete against them late on unless you're ultra, ultra fit? Because rarely does anyone play more than 25 minutes a night. You know, they're they're just rotating players in and out and they've got, I mean, obviously they've got strength in depth all through the roster.
0: I think you've got to start to get physical. Like like being match fit, being able to run up and back, make shots when you're tired, that kind of thing is, you know, pretty stock standard when you get to a certain age group and a certain level. Mm. But uh, the difference between playing, you know, a high-level juniors and then playing something like NBL1, regardless whether it's east, south, wherever, is the physicality. I think we touched on it when we talked about our, in our very first episode when we talked about the men's rosters, but Um, Being match fit to handle the physicality and to keep bumping and grinding and holding your position, that's a whole other level of fitness. So I think uh, if teams want to be super competitive with the COE and the men or the women, but particularly the men, they've got to amp up the physicality and start playing a bit of bully ball.
1: That's right. And if you look at Illawarra, it was probably the guys you'd expect to be, you know, you know, Lucas Walker got 17 and seven rebounds and four assists and three steals. You know, he'd be expected to play pretty physically. You know, Noah Pagodo had that big double-double with rebounds. And, of course, Dave O'Hickey just keeps getting it done, even in a loss, 14 points, five rebounds and six assists. But this game, it was really, you know, the first quarter, the COE got out to a 12-point advantage. And then aside from a, the second quarter, they just – gradually extended their lead throughout all four quarters. So in no one quarter was it really a blowout. It's just, you know, three good quarters and holding your own in the other amounts to a 24 point win.
0: Yeah, so I think uh Illawarra did actually win that second quarter by two points, but you know, which still put them in touch of ten points, which gives you a bit of hope by half time. But then yeah, like you said COE went on to win the next two quarters. I think the third quarter was 24 to 17, so another healthy uh, seven-point margin to make you feel really comfortable. But speaking of Lucas Walker, he's just come back from the 3x3 camp and he's now selected to play for Australia at the Asia Cup qualifier. So he'll be out in Singapore on March 31st with the likes of – Daniel Johnson, Todd Blanchfield and Andrew Steele, um, yeah, to play over there. So he's obviously going to miss perhaps the next round for Illawarra while he's on his Australian duties. But And you mentioned that he perhaps played with a bit more physicality to get such a great stat line against such a young team. And I, he's probably come straight from a very physical 3X3 camp.
1: They do love physicality at 3X3 level. And you know who else loves physicality? Johnny Sonorgarash. From Sydney Comets, as they got the 88 56 win in the KO Freebies game of the week against Hornsby. So, and it wasn't just Johnny, it was um, Elijah Washington, Isaiah Oste Pinder, and uh, Isaac Ayubi all scored well as well. But uh, what I think we're going to see with Hornsby this season is that Sharif Saipaya is going to keep them in games for a lot longer than you would expect. Because the man can flat out score the ball. Yeah, Uh, I think
0: the danger though with that with Sharif, I mean, very talented player. I'm not taking that away from him. I think the danger, particularly with the uh, supports that he has around him, is that he might get a tendency to just tuck the ball under his wing and try and do everything himself.
1: And he sort of had to a bit when um, Thomas Gillis found himself in a bit of foul trouble during that game. He finished. He ended up fouling out. Uh, and that that was uh, really like late in the fourth quarter. Like The second quarter, the first, at halftime, it was 41-34 Comets. And it was just in the second half that, you know, a young Comet, a young Hornsby team, a uh, bit of foul trouble, uh, just sort of fell away at the end. And, of course, Comets doing that without Archie Woodhill as well. So, of course, they've got you no know, Iggy Mitchell, but no um, Archie Woodhill either, so...
0: Well, to be fair, they haven't had Iggy Mitchell to start that, with. That's
1: what I mean. They didn't no. have. They, yeah, not only do they not have Iggy Mitchell, which they thought they would, now they don't have Archie Woodhill just for the moment.
0: Yeah. Any news on Archie Woodhill?
1: Not yet. I will have to uh, get on the phone to someone and see what I can find out. It would yeah. be nice to know what what is going on there. But, yeah, Johnny Snoggrass finishing with 17 and 10, uh, just, you know, Big seven foot man, just can't be contained. Did that all in 19 minutes. And in fact, no one from Comets played more than 22 and a half minutes. So spreading the minutes really well. Elijah Washington, uh, you know, scoring four of six from two point range, knocked down a couple of threes, or he's getting to the cup or shooting from deep, doing really well. And Isaiah Oste Pinder, you know, he you know, he's uh quick, he's got some bounce about him getting to the cup as well. So, Comets looking really good in these early stages, yeah. Despite the fact they've had to, uh you know, they've had to adjust to a, losing a player for the season. But yeah. of course, of course, there wasn't just a men's game of the week; there was a women's one as well.
0: Yes, of course, the same game of the week: the Sydney Comets versus the Hornsby Karengai Spiders. So, this one perhaps not as. Uh, I mean, the, the men's game was, you know, 32 points and the women's game was a lot bigger with a 56-point margin. Um, but the likes of Vanessa Panousas on fire again, 37 points, four rebounds and a huge 10 assists. Like not very often you get a double-double where some the, the second uh, statistic in double figures is assists. So shout-out to Ness for her 37 and 10 with assists. Surprisingly, she played 38 minutes. I would expect, uh, considering it was um, looked like a, re- a comfortable win with you know the comets scoring 33 points to nine in the first quarter. You may want to start resting players like Panousis, or perhaps giving your bench a better, more playing opportunity to further develop their skills in- at this level. Um, but we also saw Jada Crossshaw with 13 and, and nine and four blocks, and I believe that she's actually leading the league in blocks, uh, and drew uh, Tolafeo as well with 15 and 10 in 24 minutes, so a great night out for her. On that plus side for Hornsby, we had Kira Hudson uh, playing nearly the whole game with 14 points, six rebounds, five assists, and only four turnovers, which is pretty impressive considering the matchup she was playing against and considering she's still someone who plays in under-18s. Tyler Mundine a little bit on the quiet side this time with ten and six, uh, and Thacker backing them up with nine and three. But um, look, it just goes a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm glad that Sydney are a back in the comp, but also they're starting to be comfortable and cement themselves in back in the NBL One East League comp, like, like competition. Perhaps having a bit of a smoother run and introduction to the competition so far. You know, they've played. Hornsby and they've played Hills as well so be very interesting to see how they match up against a longer standing team or a team that have had a core group for a long time that are going to be a bit more competitive and really put the Comets bench to the test Um, but for Hornsby uh, look let's just take this as a development year.
1: I I think so, but if they can keep Kira Hudson, if Central Coast don't manage to lure her back in future years, uh, could be a start of a very healthy partnership
0: now the only game that we need to quickly cover before we introduce our very, very special guest who is ready and waiting in our recording studio is the women's game against Bankstown and Illawarra. Now, I wanted to give this game a quick shout out because the scoreline to me, look, Bankstown looks a little bit wobbly in the first couple of rounds and Illawarra have played uh, a little bit bit more together. They had a couple of, of their legends in uh, Lauren and Courtney coming back. Uh, but Bankstown with the win, and it looks like your mate Brittany Wright, Lockie, is My really finding her feet in this league. She ended up with 17-11, and 11, uh, and her touch around the basket is certainly coming back.
1: Yeah, for someone who uh, claims she needed to uh, get her match legs under her just last week, uh, it hasn't taken her long to uh, produce. So, you know, shaking off the jet lag getting into a rhythm and, yeah, 17 and 11 for the Alabama State Hornets legend.
0: Look, while her legs are still finding their way, her touch under the basket is well and truly back, so I don't think she needs to worry too much about her legs just yet. But uh, it was Rachel Dunlop as well. She was a standout for the Bruins with 17 and 5. But Brianna uh, Mamone, who is formerly Brianna Hennessy, was back with stuffing the stat sheet. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 steals, and 2 blocks. And for the Hawks, it was all about Ella Dent. 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 steals. Now, the downside for the Hawks this game, they only shot 23% overall. Oh, sorry, 23% from the three-point line and 31% overall. No George Arndorf, unfortunately. And uh, just looking at both teams, A lot of unforced errors, lots of, you know, the teams weren't really looking after the ball very well, lots of sloppy play. So it kind of made for a little bit of a a bit of quite an eventful game, a lot of back and forth. But once they found their feet, it was the Bankstown Bruins that had the win. Uh, So, look, I think we better jump right in. We have a very special guest. Um, to introduce to you tonight our first guest is Nicole Munger she is a Michigan alumni she while she was at Michigan she was a big 10 honorable mention in her senior year and by that same senior year she reached a thousand career points uh, including her career best of 27 points versus Washington which included seven three-pointers but now we know Nicole as the uh, the leader of this Newcastle, New Look Newcastle Falcons NBL1 East women's team this year and she also made her way to the UC Caps so she is just stealing hearts all the way from Newcastle to Canberra. Nicole Munger it is absolute pleasure to have you as our very first guest of East Got Game. Welcome.
2: Oh no thank you guys so much for having me. I mean so exciting it's so really cool you know, to see how the East is taking off and it's because of people like you guys um, really blasting it. It's been really cool to see. So really, really exciting. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh gosh, no. Pleasure is all ours. Thank you for the shout out too. We, Lockie and I have been around the league, you know, since it was Waratah, you know, for a while yeah. um, in different capacities. Myself being Uh, a player for a while and uh, Lockie once upon a time having his blog about when we used to still be called Waratah (laughs) or Championship League Sky Blue Hoops who he was really a trendsetter and ahead of the time with creating uh, alternative media content for the league so um, yeah really really great to have you on but I mean how are you after the weekend?
2: Oh, it's been a wonderful weekend. I think uh, everybody at uh, Broadbent Basketball Stadium won uh, for the for the Falcons. We went five and zero this weekend, which is really really exciting. With our were all men, uh, youth league women, youth league men, us, and then the guys. So super super exciting. Great weekend here in Anui. Uh,
0: yeah, that sounds like an awesome weekend. I mean, I'm not too surprised either. Newcastle <laughs> doing Newcastle things. Me as a Central Coast uh, player, hate to admit that Newcastle has <laughs> been very successful. In the last few years, um, they've done a really great job of being able to create a huge uh, pathway all the way from grassroots up to MBL one so no surprise that you guys are 5-0 and
2: this weekend. Well done. Oh, it's all of us. It was pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a good weekend.
0: And so you, your team
2: is currently 3-0 and
0: now uh, with yeah. others up there, at the top of the ladder with the other finals contenders, and it's early but you may be feeling pretty optimistic am I right to say that
2: yeah uh I think we're just still trying to find our groove too which is pretty cool um we're still you know we still have uh some more pieces coming in which is really exciting um and I know the girls have been practicing for so long and I kind of just got thrown back into the mix uh once cap season finished up um so they're still getting used to playing with me we have a little bit of a new look um and I'm getting used to playing with them so it's been really exciting it's great to have three good wins. I don't think we're going to get too far ahead of ourselves just yet. I think we have a lot more to prove, um, you know, even with Manly having some injuries, uh, Canberra definitely had some injuries too. Um, Sutherland being the first game, you're not really sure what to expect. Um, for both sides of the ball, I think our team, as long as every team in the league is going to change a lot through the next, what is it, four months. Um, so, you know, just going to keep trying to find our groove, play our best basketball, and hopefully hopefully that comes in, you know, July, August.
1: All right. So, yeah, new new look. Obviously, no Kyra in the uh, in the front court anymore, but bringing in Abby Curtin and uh, club legend Alison Ebsery back. Yeah, yeah. How, how's the adjustment been playing playing with those two instead of having Kyra there in the front court?
2: Oh, I mean, whenever you lose somebody as, you know, potent as Kyra and you see what she did at Michigan this year, um, really, really great freshman year. And, you know, they did big things. I mean, it's going to be tough, tough to replace. But I think power by committee with Abby coming in, um, she's been wonderful. It's been still like my first two two weeks getting to play with her. So we're still figuring each other out. I think I like ran into her back and knocked the ball out of bounds this weekend um, accidentally. So we're still figuring it out. But, you know, she's been such a power, um, along with Allison playing playing down there. And then we have Rach back, McGinskin, um, back in that role, too. And she's doing really good things. And then you haven't got to see too much of her yet, but one of our young guns, Hannah Chicken, um, will be playing up with us, just pending some state stuff and, you know, her 18s responsibilities. Um, but she's going to be really good for us, too. And it's really cool, you know, to get to take her under my wing and our wing and get to show her, you know what it is to play, play older basketball, professional basketball. So it's really exciting. She did really well against Sutherland. So we, we just love having her on the court too.
0: Yeah, Hannah Chicken is someone that I um, got to coach against a couple of times last year. And I thought she was top age 18. So it's a surprise. <laughs> she's only bottom age 18. So now she's yeah. age 18 this year. So she's definitely an exciting talent. Has She's talked to you very much about her prospects of what to do after junior basketball.
2: Yeah, we talk about it a lot. I mean, it's really cool for me um, and my impact that I can have in Newcastle just with my American experience. So we talk about it a lot of, you know, what's next for her. And we're just kind of working towards that day by day, um, week by week, month by one, month, month by month. But I think getting her playing at the top level um, in the club is, is just really exciting. We get some good footage of her that we can send over to America if that's what she pursues. Uh, and if not, she's going to have some great opportunities waiting for her with whatever she decides. So really exciting time for her. She comes from a great family. Um, which is really cool to see. And, you know, they really support her, um, as do we. So it's it's been awesome with her. And I, I forget, like I look at her and I forget. She's like, she just turned 17. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the sky's the limit. So it's really, really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was watching, commentating the Sutherland-Newcastle game, I was like, if I didn't know how young she was, I would not have picked it in the slightest.
2: Oh, I forgot. I went and I told her something at halftime, after halftime. I was like, dude, this, this, and this. And I get done like the whole minute thing, and she was like, "Am I on offense or defense?" And I was like, "Oh man, let me go back." So I just forget how young she is. Um, but she's she's just a good person first and foremost, and then you know doing really good things for us on the court too. So really cool.
0: Yeah, she certainly holds her own, uh, especially uh, given her age and and her potential. But uh, oh, definitely. And with last year, uh, Newcastle Falcons finished third, but lost a qualifying final to Manly uh was there a feeling that you had some unfinished business after last season
2: as you met manly in round two yeah we got him early um which was pretty cool and it was back back here at home again so definitely got for the first game so we played them twice at home you know on a row with that being the last game and then this being the first game of this year so a little bit i think it's uh we definitely have a new look um so it was also kind of a bit of a new chapter but i think yeah it was one that we definitely had circled when we saw the, the fixture come out and, you know, really excited just to play that first home game. Um, there's nothing better than a Saturday night at Broadbeadows. So, I mean, it's been really cool um, get that win. And then, again, this weekend I got to welcome Canberra back. So I got to see Tonksy and Sally uh, and all the Canberra folks. So that was really cool too.
0: Yeah, what was it like having to play against some of your brand new, you know, UC <laughs> Caps teammates?
2: they were getting mad at me because I kept joking with them um I think in practice I'm just used to just messing with them um and I I don't talk a lot but I make jokes to them the whole time and get under their skin and try to and I think they just started getting frustrated with me because I kept smiling and laughing at them but it was fun um they're some of my really good mates and it's just been incredible you know to get to meet so many good people down in Canberra um there's nothing but nothing but positivity down there. So it's really, really cool. And, you know, get to see him again. We miss Chloe, um, but it was still really, really cool.
1: Yeah, so um, considering how good your WNBL season was, was there a thought of maybe staying there for NBL1 or moving to another NBL1 East Conference or even heading back overseas?
2: Uh, it crossed my mind a little bit. Um, but really what ended up... Um, crossing my mind was I really just wanted to come back to Nui. You know, they, when I finished the NBL one East season last year, I was planning to go back to Spain, um, instead of, you know, this WNBL circuit this year. And I didn't end up doing that. There were some, a couple of things that happened and, um, with that Spanish team and it just didn't feel right. So I decided to stick it, stick it out over here. And they, they gave me a home. They gave me a job. They gave me, um, you know, my visa was still good. So I was blessed to be able to stay for a bit longer and they gave me. Um, anything I needed. And that was really, really cool. So when it came time to make my decision, I think it was pretty easy for me. I wanted to come back, um, you know, say thank you to the people of Newcastle. These are some of my, some of my great friends here too. Um, And I also just feel like when I'm here, I have good relationships built and my ability to have such an impact with the club um, the association and you know just the town in general and the people here and I really really value that impact that I can have um, and I'm really excited for this year you know to build on what we had last year on the courts one thing but also off the court and promoting women's sport um, for the young girls of Newcastle I get to coach this year I'm coaching the 16 girls uh, and it's just such a it's one of my passion points I just love it um, so I'm just really excited to be back for for everything uh, basketball but also you know not the basketball stuff too.
1: Yeah, I think Newcastle and perhaps to a lesser extent, Illawarra have that real one club city mentality where everyone gets behind the one club, which you don't really have as much in Sydney because it's also, you know, segmented by by district.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that's what's really cool. You know, we have such a big area here. I mean, the closest club is Maitland. And then, you know, you look past that and what is it? Central Coast, um, which is still about an hour south. So it's been really cool. You know, we have such a big area. Um Newcastle's expanding like crazy. You look at the association, some of the best numbers in BNSW. um, And I know they're looking towards some big things with hopefully, you know, a WNBL team soon, Um, new stadiums coming up, hopefully here in the next three to five years is the goal. Uh, But the plans, the plans that they have here are pretty big and it's going to be exciting to see what happens um, in the future with the new, new GM, Matt. Um, He's been wonderful. So it's going to be really cool to see what happens and his leadership so far has been great. I mean, now we've run out to fire. I mean, It's been cool that he wants to take it big. He's put a brand new sound system in, fixing things um, and getting ready, you know, to move across the street once we can get that going.
0: Yeah, I noticed some of the pyrotechnics on social media. I've also noticed actually the club's social media has been more uh, active as well with some really cool highlight reels. So shout out to your new social media and marketing team there at the club. Now, you did mention that, you know, the pyrotechnics have been added, the new sound system. But yeah. have they fixed the dead spots under the basket on court one? Because there are definitely spots when you want to go for a power layup at Broadmeadow that it's just dead.
2: Oh, that's a home court advantage. We know about it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that one. We know about those. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. Um, you know, but it, it's what makes it so special. When I get to play, play there, I think – it is really special because of the atmosphere that we have. It's like the old school feel, you know, the history that's been played there, um, the legends that have come through and to get to play there. And, you know, I look up and I get the chills before every game. Cause I'm like, Oh, there's so many people that have come before me and come before us and played, you know, some great basketball there. And so it, every, you know, some people may think of it as bad, but you know, it's just the story that that building has been written. Um, so it's been, it's really cool playing there. I love all the dead spots.
1: <laughs> so playing on court, we um So we talked after the, uh, the game against Sutherland and you mentioned how you guard players differently or some players differently in MBL 1 to what you do at WNBL level. So can you just elaborate on exactly what you mean by that and how your style of player adapts between the two levels?
2: Yeah, I think it's just trying to... I mean, it's been great getting to play at the WNBL level, which is, I mean, it's such a great league with just superstar athletes. um, Every single game we line up against some of my idols. So I'm like, oh, it's so cool. Um, And then coming back down to the East, I just really want to try to improve. So the things where I struggled with, um, you know, in the WNBL of, you know, getting over ball screens, um, you know, trying to pressure a little bit more um, in distance, guarding guards. I got uh, this year just by virtue of um, sadly, injuries. Um, I had to slot over to the four spot, which isn't natural for me. Um, so I was guarding a lot of fours this year, which ended up, you know, I got on the court, which was really cool for me personally. But um, I had to change my style of defense. So now, just getting back into that guard role, which Coach uh, Vili and I talk about a lot of, you know, trying to get back into that three spot. For me, it's just a different bit of a mentality. It's almost um, not that it's the off season, uh, but for WNBL prep, just trying to work on, you know, just how I can get better at kind of my weak spots. Um, so, and that, that's just, you know, always trying to get better. a bit.
0: So, so like, I think in that, uh, in your current Falcons roster, you might have the opportunity to guard the likes of Jess Ralph who, and Sophie Cleman at the point guard spot to work on those, uh, guarding the ball skills. But then someone that I feel like, um, is kind of quite similar. Like we've touched on talking about Abby Curtin before, but I feel like your games are really, really similar. Like you both have really good. Like the similar skill sets and height wise, and the way that you guys like can um, score under the basket is really similar. Do you
2: guys match up at training? Oh, sometimes it's been a bit tough. We're a bit short on numbers right now. Uh, just there's some injuries, and we're like I said, we're excited to get one more uh, import in coming in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, so we've been a bit short. So sometimes she slots into the four or five spot, and I'm staying at the guard. Um, but whenever we get switched on to each other, it gets really competitive. Um, I don't mind the physicality and she's a footy player, so it gets, it gets a bit physical, but that, you know, that's what it's about. And, you know, just pushing each other has been a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, it's been cool. Whenever we do match up against each other, (laughs) it turns into a game of footy.
1: So you've only, you've only been here for, I guess, not even a a year, a calendar, 12 months, but you seem so invested, not just in Newcastle, but in NBL One East. Um, what potential do you think this league has?
2: Oh, such potential. I think when you look, um, it gets a lot of heat for, you know, not being as talented as per se the other conferences, but it's our second year um, and it's the second year of the conference, which, you know, is it's still a baby. Um, all the other conferences have had a couple more years to develop, um, to get the imports in, to learn the timing of it all. And last year was a half COVID year, really. Um, with the preparation starting a bit later. So the sky's the limit. Um, I think it's just a matter of time. You even see it this year. Some of the contracts offered in this league were, you know, are now matching the other, the other conferences, um, which is really, really exciting. You have teams that are looking to, you know, bring in high power imports, looking to, you know, grow their association from their youth level up. Um, and it's really, really exciting what's going on. Um, And I think even cooler, you know, we get to be a part of it. And when we look back, I think one day we'll be really proud of it and really proud of our steps in these first couple of years to get the grassroots, you know, just growing. So really, really exciting time.
0: Have you got any other teams on your radar that you haven't played against yet where you're kind of like, oh, that's going to be a tough matchup?
2: Oh, I mean, I think everyone. I think it's really cool. You know, it's a fresh year. So you have no idea. Like anybody can jump on any given night. Like I said, I think we're really trying to still figure ourselves out, um, figure out the offense, figure out how to play together. So I think anyone can have a really good game on any night. Obviously, you know, they've, we have some high-powered uh, players coming into this league with, with the Comets, with even COE, even though they're all, you know, a bit younger, they're high-powered. They're the next, they're the next Opals. Um, and forgive me, I'm probably missing so many more, you know, high-powered offenses um, and defenses in this league. So anybody can beat anybody in any given night, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, the top half of the league, I think is going to be really, really, really competitive. Um, and that's just going to be a toss up of, you know, injuries, who can gel at the right time. Um, like I said, we are 3-0, and but Manly was missing some people. Sutherland was the first game, Canberra, you know, so we're not getting too high on ourselves yet. But you just got to keep working, you know, stick to what we're doing and, you know, hopefully it continues.
0: Yeah it's really interesting like we've still got the likes of Loz Nicholson, Eliza Favreau to join the league after yeah. they're still right in the high of winning a WNBL chip so who can blame them really? Oh, um, can't blame them. Yeah <laughs> and of course Shiloh Hill's going to be suiting up for Comets and they've already um, they're already off to a great start to their debut season in NBL One East as well um, so no, no doubt that the standard is just only going to go up but What's really interesting is the amount of injuries already. So the likes of Canberra missing some of their main players, like Bianca Dufemeyer, you know, has finally made a comeback to playing semi-pro, but unfortunately is out again. Apparently one round it was a knee and the next round it's an ankle. So she didn't suit up against the Crusaders or the Falcons on the weekend and, as we know, Chloe Tuliak as well, out with injuries. So how do you feel about... um, the NBL One East compared to the other conferences starting so much earlier. Do you feel like that is a good thing or a bad thing in terms of rosters and, and injuries?
2: Oh, I think um, from my personal view, I mean, coming from the WNBL, it was really tough. I think there was no way I was really planning to play that first Sutherland game um, when I looked at it even a couple of months ago. And then with the concussion and my papers weren't even cleared in time. Um, so from my perspective, really, really tough. And you're missing the likes of Charlotte Laws. Um, a lot of other players that you know are coming, winning championships. Um, three weeks, three weeks after the season starts, um, which is really tough. It also makes it a bit tougher for imports because um, they're finishing up in Europe if they're playing over there, and it makes it just a, the window a bit shorter. They have to get here sooner to make the qualifications for playoffs. Um, so it limits the number a bit. So I think looking forward, that could be something that the league looks at of you know starting April one, because um, I think the South starts April one and they still finish the 29th of july they they have a it a bit easier um because they're a bit more centrally located with just being around melbourne um i know they have you know a couple flights in there with tassie and stuff but um for the most part they're a bit closer knit so something to look at um, we'll see if the east is able to do it and just condense the schedule a little bit but you know it's what we're drawing this year and i think it's been cool it's it's allowed us you know we started we started hot so we're three and oh which. We're thankful for, but um, yeah, Southern Without Laws is a definitely a different team. So it's definitely a shame um, that we we are starting the games with some of our high-powered players not able to play because they're playing in the W.
0: Yeah, and I think like with NBL1 last season, especially with the likes of the, uh, I think it was not so much East, but it was more like North and perhaps Central, I think. Uh, well, by the time we got to NBL 1 Nationals, which was I think mid-August, if my memory serves me correctly, especially in the men's, they were missing all of their NBL players because they had to start preparing for pre-season and the NBL blitz. So the timing between like coming off the back of, of one pro season and leading into the other, the next pro season is really, really tight. So it's a conversation yeah. around mm-hmm. how much do we co- – like how much do we – uh, sacrifice and compromise to make sure those players can still play NBL one. And then, you know, the majority, knowing that the majority of the NBL one players perhaps aren't the professionals. So we're kind of putting a lot on the line just for a small percentage of professionals, but they also, you know, make the league super competitive. So it's a fine balance,
2: I think. Yeah. It's interesting what you bring up of, you know, the finals are going to go late into the year. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, With whoever wins, if people start going back into the, you know, the WNBL mode or NBL mode, um, because we saw saw it like last year with LJ, a bit um, preparing for the World Cup, but um, the same thing of, I think we have to report early to mid-September. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what, what athletes do and what they decide, you know, so it'll be interesting. It's a good point.
0: We've also got Asia Cup as well, you know, for the women's that's gonna be yeah. in June. Um I think Lockie has highlighted as well that the COE are probably gonna miss round five because Opal's camp's gonna be on, so they're gonna all be, you know, training perhaps with the Opals or at least available to be playing against the Opals in some practice matches at the same time of round five. I think I wrote that down as all oh, the dates have lost me. The 14th of April is round five, so no COE women's games that round because of Opals camp. Um, guessing there may or may not be a break for FIBA Asia World Cup in Sydney where you might see the likes of Loz Nicholson suit up, you might see yeah. Sharla, you might mm. see read from you know people from other conferences so yeah um yeah there's a lot going on it's super interesting
1: certainly is and then there's um under 19 worlds for the women so see we have got a stack draw they don't play for the last five weeks in the women's because they're all <laughs> over at world cups
2: barcelona gosh <laughs> they're gonna come back and they're gonna be used to you know all these fast 19 year olds that are just you know running and gunning and we're gonna be we're gonna be playing our uh are more smart and be all older basketball and they're going to come back and just <sighs> run <laughs> but they might be tired from Barcelona too so we'll see yeah but it's gonna be, be interesting I mean I mean they're blessed to get to go to Barcelona I love Barcelona but um it'll be interesting to see for sure.
0: It's whereabouts did you play when you played in Spain?
2: I was in um, La Palma which is right off the coast of Morocco on the Canary Islands um really small small uh, like quiet island um pretty much woke up Went to lift, played basketball, went to the beach, took a nap there and ate some lunch and then came back to practice. So um, life wasn't too hard. It was awesome. Get to Isn't, do my favorite things.
1: I think that's where uh, – is that where Brad Newley played in Canary Islands, I think, for a yes, while? Yes, possibly.
2: There's a couple yeah. – um, my team was uh, it was the first year. It was actually the first women's professional team on the island um, that I was playing on, which was really really special. Um, but there's a couple islands. There are some really really high powered teams uh, in the Endesa, the top level Spanish league. So it's a, it's a really great spot. Um, great beaches, great people. Um, still, some of my best friends are there, so it's really cool.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you had a nice balance of lifestyle between basketball and and downtime. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of players. Um, like particularly Australian players, they, they have that – some of them have that real mamba mentality of investing their whole life into improving their performance on basketball. So making sure that they're doing – ticking all the right boxes. So I'm, I'm talking about even some of your UC Caps teammates, Brit Smart um, and Young Shez, who were really invested in like their mental health and their physical stuff and how much they're lifting and getting shots up. So they kind of like investing their whole life into their ball. But then I also know some players like Beck Allen and Steph Talbot that like to have a complete separation of when I'm at ball, that's all I think about. But when I'm not at basketball, it's a completely different lifestyle. Where do you yourself fit in in that realm? What do you (laughs) more
2: like? I think a little bit of both. And I think it's a tough balance that all athletes kind of have to figure out where they sit. Um, but, and this is, this is where my, this is where I changed my professional. Um, and I'm still a bit working out crazy. Um, really would definitely say, but when I was growing up, all I did was just basketball. I think I went outside and shot for like four or five hours every night until it got dark. And my parents would call me in. It was right up front. We had a cul-de-sac. So it was awesome. Um, but you know, lifting as much as I could running every day, you know, and it was awesome. I couldn't have asked for anything better. It's what I wanted. Um, and I loved it so much. And then I think by the time I got to college and finished college, I was so gassed. I was said nothing left in the tank. And I was like, "Whoa, oh, I don't know if I can keep playing. And that's when I took two years off and I actually got into coaching, um, over in New York city and I loved it. Um, but that's when the desire came back. And when I went to Spain, it was the first time in my life I had to slow down. We didn't have the gym 24 hours a day. I stole the basketball from the team. I give it back, but, um, and tried <laughs> to find an outdoor ring and there's none there. Um, it was only, you know, it was locked behind the gates of the schools and you can't climb over the fences there. It's like, you can't do it. So I couldn't get a ring anywhere. So I had to only practice during practice. Um, uh, and I could, and that was really, really tough because that challenged me, but I had to find different ways, different things to do to keep me physically fit and active. But through that all, I think I found happiness outside and other things. Um, you know, hanging out with friends, going to the beach, just getting coffee. Um, meeting with my teammates, investing in them, investing in my coaches, film, different things that are basketball related, but also just personal life related. And when I was able to pour into those different cups, my basketball game elevated. Um, So for me, it's just about finding balance of, you know, off the court stuff, on the court stuff. Um, But like you said, like when you're on the court, it's just full go. Um, And that's what I love. And then when I'm off the court, I can take that peace of mind um, and focus on what I'm doing. And I think now more than ever, you know, relationships are, are so important to me, developing those, fostering them, uh, pouring into the cups of my teammates, coaches. So I'm thankful for that experience because, I don't know, I think my career would be cut short definitely if I kept kept it up the way I was moving. It was just too much.
0: Yeah, it's definitely such a thing as uh, too much of a good thing. Like I don't think people really realize or like when you're in your late teens, early 20s, you do already, that you, like on paper you're – not supposed to have so much resilience but I feel like you have a lot more resilience in those years of life like heaps more than you realize because especially when you're living that semi-pro elite basketball lifestyle where you're going like going at an unsustainable rate of training and you know when you're at college too studying full-time it's essentially two full-time jobs so props to you for taking that two-year break
2: <laughs> I don't know I love the break I mean I, I found something that I loved in coaching and if it wasn't for COVID, um, I don't know if I'd be doing this right now. I'd probably still be coaching. So not, I mean, it was a terrible thing um, with so many people that have died and got sick and everything. But for me, it reignited me with basketball. Um, so really thankful for that, but yeah, it's really, really interesting how, you know, especially young athletes kind of find that balance. Um, but I always say when I was able to find the balance of, you know, happiness off the court and on the court, that's when my best basketball is played. So, it's it's definitely a, a balance, but when you're young, you don't you don't think anything else, and then you get to pro ball, and all you do is you go to practice, and then you go home. Um, so you get pretty bored. So you have to f- fill those voids.
0: <laughs> it sounds like Newcastle's certainly taking care of you off court, which we are very happy to hear about. You've got your sixteen girls as well, coach. Yep. You. You're going to get the chip this year with the sixteen
2: girls. Oh. I hope so. They're competitive. And you know, the best part is though, at that age, I mean, we've such a drop off in, in girls basketball, um, around, around the country. And I think just around the world. So just the ability to influence them and to show them that it's possible. Um, as long as, as long as they have fun, that's the championship for us. You know, I think we'll be really competitive, um, have some really good pieces, they're great kids. Um, they listen. They want to get better. They're really invested. So, you know, as long as they can get better and they enjoy the year, that's that's all we want. But yeah, on the court, I think they'll be pretty tough too. Yeah.
1: Perfect.
0: And so, just before we wrap up the episode, uh, Nicole, you're welcome to stay online if you want. Or we got we're going to wrap up. We're going to go through the women's rounds, and then we're going to go through our all star fives for the Ooh. men's and women's for round three. So, if you like, you're welcome to stick around. Put in your two cents as well. Give us oh. some feedback. If, whenever, just chime in whenever you need. So I'm going to quickly take us through the results of round three for NBL 1 East 2023 in the women's uh, competition. So Bankstown snatching the win against the Illawarra Hawks 78-70, to centre of excellence. They were challenged in this round by the Penrith Panthers. Props to the Panthers. Uh, but the COE snatching that win 88-81. Manly Warringah Sea Eagles beat my beloved Central Coast Crusaders 88-79. Uh, Aubrey Wodonga Bandits were just way too good for the Hills Hornets down at the Lauren Jack- Jackson Basketball Stadium. They won 101-53. to Newcastle, you're, you Newcastle Falcons getting a great win at home against the Canberra National, sixty-one to fifteen, where you had a very casual fifteen and eleven, just a just a cheeky there double double there for you Nicole. No, was no it was a good good day for the Falcons. It was a lot of fun. It looks like quite a good spread of uh, contribution from your team as well that game. So we love to see that uh, so early in the season too. And then we rolled around to Sutherland where they beat the Inner West Bulls 88 68. Inner West Bulls debuting Michaela Dompkins and Leilani Mitchell. They are back. Despite the speculation that Michaela Dompkins wasn't going to suit up, she is back and she's already firing with 27 and 10 in that game. Uh, Sydney Comets 109, uh, just purely dominant over the Hornsby. Kuringai Spiders with 53. And then we backed up on Sunday. So it was the first round, as we said, where we saw some double headers. Center of Excellence hosting Illawarra Hawks, beating them 86 to 50. Maitland Mustangs at home against the Norse Bears, but they went down 50 to 73. And wrapping it up, Central Coast Crusaders hosted the Canberra Nationals with a comeback win. In the second half, taking the win at ninety to eighty-one. So, any surprises in those results for you, Nicole?
2: Oh, I don't know. Like I said, it's still really early, uh, but really exciting how the league's shaking out. And like you said, everybody's starting to get their players back uh, from the WNBL or other commitments. So, it's going to be really, really exciting as we as we start to round out. Like I said, we have a secret import coming, uh, which you guys haven't maybe not have heard about yet. So, it's going to be really cool. Um, to see how this goes and as teams start to finalize their rosters fully and get back to you know really getting in training and getting getting to know each other it's going to be exciting
0: yeah like you said it's anyone's shot on any given night in this league which is why we love it so much but what we've started to do as well Nicole in these episodes is give our all-star fives for the round so I'm going to throw to Lockie because this week he was responsible for the all-star five for the men's competition.
1: I certainly was Squin. Um, so i just kick off with a few honorable mentions. Um, there were players such as Will Cranston-Lowne and Noah Thomas, who had really good um, overall performances. Cranston-Lowne, 16 points, 2 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 4 blocks. And Noah Thomas from Manly, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. Some guys with some big double-doubles, Mike Parks from Albury and uh, Sean Montague from Hills, both notched up 15 rebounds. Uh, Miles Cherry and Ryan Beastie from Newcastle doing the same. Oh, uh, they were
2: good. They were really, really good. Going against Glenn too. They were defending. And then going down on the offensive end and doing it too. So it was a really good day for both Miles and, and Beastie.
1: Yeah, and Glenn Morrison was uh quite good. He had 27 and 8 against Central Coast and 17 and 6 against Newcastle. And then guys like Dave O'Hickey, he just keeps getting it done, does a little bit of everything, had a double-double against Bankstown and dished seven assists and then six against COE and Junior Madurt Josh Payne, Daniel Milburn, all big scoring efforts and Sharif Saipaya. Flat out score the ball for Hornsby. But let's go to the All-Star Five. We'll kick off with one someone from Squins area, Luke Cassidy, who had two big games. Nice. twenty five.
0: Always oh, Cassidy.
1: 25 points, three rebounds and three assists against Canberra. And 22 points, five rebounds, two assists, four steals against Manly in that tight loss. Uh, Tony Tollavey from Inner West, just an elite scoring night. 24 points, nine rebounds, two assists, shooting nine of 11 from two point range. Uh, Ben Henshaw, big game for COE against Illawarra. Uh, When you outshine some of the uh, other players on that roster, you know you're having a good night. And he finished with 30 points, five rebounds, five assists, and four steals. In that 24 point win. And then Jameer Coleman, the man from playing down on the banks of the Murray at aubrey Wodonga, 30 points and 11 rebounds, shooting 70% from the field, leading Aubrey to an 80 to 70 win over Hills. And then doubling up for Central Coast, we got Aaron Redhead with a big 22 and 15 and knocking down eight of 10 free throws in the win over Canberra and then chipped in another 14 points and four rebounds against Manly Warringah to round out the front court of this week's men's All-Star 5. But with so many games this week, it really was a close run thing across all positions.
0: Yeah, super tough, super tough. I know that um, looking at the stat line, it was, I mean, there were a lot of honourable mentions as well, which is probably reflective of how tough it was. But Um, Nicole if you were at the Newcastle Gunners game what were your takeaways from that game if you did you watch very much
2: yeah you know I was there I was watching a lot of it and I was also chatting to everyone so um I was watching but when I did get to watch and sit down and you know actually focus on it I think there was one sequence where Beastie um like got a rebound somehow the ball got kicked out um ended up on the floor he dove for it got back up um and finished the layup so I mean the energy that he plays with, and you know Miles just playing so big, um, Tommy Dawson too, just defending their bigs and then running in transition um, was something something really impressive. And you know six man shout out. The crowd has been unreal in Newcastle for the first first two home games. So shout out to all the Newcastle folks because it's been really really exciting. Um, definitely definitely six man advantage. So it's been cool.
0: Yeah, I've even noticed at uh, the Crusaders games, our attendance this year so far, I think has been certainly a lot more than last season. And I'm not too sure what that attributes to, given that the WNBL and the NBL had record crowds in both seasons this year, um, overall and particular milestone games as well. Um, I really wonder if that is some... Uh, transition, like follow through from those big seasons that people still want to be invested in basketball, and we're seeing crowds coming back after COVID. But yeah, shout out to the fans so far; it's been yeah. a really great atmosphere.
2: Great atmospheres for our games too. Usually, we usually get usually we get people that come in just uh, you know for the end of our game and then the rest of the boys' game. But I felt like these past few games, people have been coming at five, coming for the start of our game, and then I have people come up to me after the game saying like. Hey, we see all you guys at the schools because we go around to the schools and, you know, do the coaching. And our kids love it. They know you. Um, and just getting to watch you play, we have so much fun. Um, so it's been really cool, really, really cool up here anyway.
0: I love that for the meaningful fan engagement. That's how yeah. that's how you're going to keep yeah. uh, retain some, some fans by yeah. going to the schools. That's how I started going to the Central Coast Cavaliers games back in the 90s when it was CBA, which was even before Waratah. Um, because we the development officer played on the team and he used to come to the school and that's how that's how I got hooked. So and I haven't left since. So they've not rid of me yet. Um, but <laughs> I was uh, tasked with the women's all stars and again it was another tough week, especially given there were double headers. Honorable mentions to Meg Jefferson from the Penrith Panthers who had 24 and 13 versus the Coe, and uh, Brady Page Theodore from Aubrey Wodonga Bandits with another stats uh, sheet stuffer, 26 points, eight rebounds, five assists and three steals against Hills. Now I'm going to leave the absolute best of this week till the very, very end. I'm trying to try and build suspense. <laughs> but in my all-star five this week, we've got Vanessa Panousis for the Sydney Comets um, who had 37 points and 10 assists, so the unusual double-double with assists, uh, versus the Hornsby Spiders. Uh, Then we've got Emily Garland again from the Sutherland Sharks making a second appearance in our All-Star Five uh, with 31 points and eight rebounds against the Inner West Bulls. Then we have Sarah Matthews from the Central Coast Crusaders who had a big weekend against Manly. She had 19 points, eight rebounds, uh, two, two assists, four steals, and two blocks, so just everywhere being an absolute menace. And then against Canberra she had 23 and 15. And I think she was 90% from the free-throw line. Then the fourth uh, on the list is Jess Petrie from the COE who had 26 points um, in just 26 minutes uh, and I think 14 rebounds as well uh, against Penrith, which was a really, really great game it looks like statistically and the score line, But the absolute goat for this round is Talia Toupee from Penrith Panthers. Okay, so 45
2: points,
0: (laughs) the end, already definitely in the All-Star 5 and what perhaps, you know, player of the week. But it gets better for her. She also had six rebounds, four assists, four steals. She was 43% field goal percentage overall, and she was 14 from 14 from the free-throw line. And I say good night, round three. (laughs) This was Carly (laughs)
1: round. She's
2: coming what to your record call. Oh, it's gonna be—it's bound to be broken. I mean, bound to be broken in this league. It's really cool. I think every week I look. I mean, it's only been three, but like the double doubles are just getting bigger. Um, it's been really, really exciting. The stats of being statues are being filled. Um, really, really, really cool. Um, really, really cool. So great for her. Super exciting for the league. Um, and that was a really, really close game too. Um, sometimes you see like the fifty point games, and you're like, yeah, it's really great you know but that was a really really close game against a good team um really great player so it's going to be really exciting it's a great great league great start it's going to be wonderful
0: yeah but you are leading the league still in rebound so you're still definitely up there in the in the ladders for statistics so far for NBA one east but On the other plus side for Talia is that
2: she's going to be your teammate for the next WNBL season. So excited. So, so, so excited. I actually have her jersey, um, one for practice jerseys, in my closet from um, Caps this year. So I can't wait to get to play her and give her that to her um, and get to meet her for the first time. So I'm really, really, really excited for that. Um, And it's really cool to get to see her ball um, and just kill it. So really excited.
0: Yeah, just be ready to catch it when you're open on the wing come Caps time. I think yeah. I know, she'll
2: give it to you. She, yeah, because in her and Jade, it's going to be unreal.
0: Uh, so for round four in the women's comp, we've got Manly against Illawarra, Centre of Excellence against Norths. That's going to be one of my games of the week. Yeah, uh, Maitland versus Hornsby, Sutherland versus Nats, uh, Canberra Nationals, which is also probably my, yeah. my other personal game of the week. Hills Hornets versus Newcastle, so one of your first or, or first or se- second away game for you guys, yeah. Uh Inner West Bulls versus Auri Wodonga Bandits, Sydney Comets, Bankstown Bruins, and Crusaders on the Sunday against Penrith Panthers. So Lockie, I, I similarly the men's uh the men's comp is gonna be the same draw, I'm guessing, correct?
1: Uh yes, just about.
0: But give us the shout out. So the game of the week next week, actually, have we determined what the official game of the week next week is?
1: No, but I th- I think between the two matchups, I would like to see it be our uh, C O E and North's. Yeah,
2: join. I agree. I think across the men's and the women's, that's just gonna be it's gonna be a really good one. And there's Opal's camp, I think, down there this weekend. I think Jade was saying they're there this weekend. So it'll be really, really cool. Um, to highlight that a bit too.
0: So let's name uh, unofficially the unofficial game of the week <laughs> Coe and North because that yeah. was already on our pick of the list. I also had uh, yeah Sharks and Canberra as the other pick, and um, what was the other one? I said uh,
1: Crusaders Penrith in the women, so watching yeah. Talia again, and then yep. Inner West Albury in the men ran round out three games to watch.
0: Yes. Awesome. Did you have any other picks, Nicole, that we can we should probably keep our eyes on? But that's already a lot of good
2: basketball. <laughs> that's a lot of good basketball. But I will give a shout-out to my teammate, Tonksie. Um It was her first game in like two months, I think. And when we, she first stepped on the court, she was blown past us. So shout-out to Tonksy. First game in two months and absolutely killed us and then followed it up with a 25-point performance the next day. Um, so really happy for her um, killing it so a little individual shout out
0: yeah I love it I love the you got to women supporting other women you got to give them a yeah. shout
2: out love to definitely, hear it. definitely
0: but uh Nicole it's been an absolute pleasure thank you again so much for being our very very first guest on ESCOT game hopefully we'll have you back again at some stage whether it be this season next
2: season cap season whenever <laughs> but no um, thank you guys so incredible so great that you guys are doing this too and it's it's going to be really cool to see how this this takes off um and how the league goes because like I said many times we're very early in the league so it's gonna be really cool
0: yes and so far any indication it's been very very exciting so far so fingers and toes cross this standard uh it just keeps getting better and better and Lockie as always thank you again for being an excellent co-host uh and bringing all the stats and all the good stuff every single week but um Otherwise, for now, am just going to play this outro music and uh, thanks again for joining everyone. But you can find us as well on Instagram at East got Game. Make sure you fo- follow Nicole Munger as well um, on Instagram and on Twitter. Is it Nicole underscore Munger 10? Have I got that right?
2: Oh, I think it's na- just Nicole Munger 10, but yeah. don't, don't quote me on that. I, <laughs> I'm not a like, big social media person, to be really by, honest with you. Just search
1: by name.
0: Such my yeah, name. Just There's not try- a lot of Nicole Mungers out there. There's only one Nicole Munger that you need uh, to remember, anyway. I don't so. know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think so. Oh no, but thank
0: you guys so much. This is incredible. Thanks, thanks, heaps, everyone, and we'll catch you again for round four.